Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and I just started my new program, Partners in Parenting. And whenever I teach this topic about like how to be a team with your partner, like how to help them uh, learn to be a more peaceful parent, if you've already been on that journey, it just so happens that stuff comes up in my own family life that just like the universe blesses me with a story to share with you. So I wanted to share one with you guys today as an example of how being a true partner in your parenting with your partner, with your husband, your spouse, your wife, how that can look in real life. Now, so the story that I'm going to tell you about, we did not handle it perfectly, right? So there were mistakes were made, mistakes on my part, mistakes on my husband's part. So it wasn't perfect, but it was real. And at the end of the day, we were connected. So my mom had sent over with my dad some pumpkin cake and it had, you know, it was like, it had cream cheese frosting on it and a sweet little candy corn on top. It was super cute. The girls were super excited to be able to have it for dessert with dinner. And so normally we just, serve their food, like the desserts, their portion to them. And many times there's not a problem with it. But this time when we put the pieces of cake in front of the girls, there was one piece that looked more enticing to them, that looked better to both of them. And there was a lot of jealousy. Now, so jealousy is a trigger that is present for both me and my husband. Jealousy wasn't handled very well in our house growing up. We both grew up in a kind of a like, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit kind of family. Family. That's not what we're doing. That's not the approach that we're taking with our kids. Like my oldest, when she came home from daycare with that phrase, when she was three, we questioned like, is that really like true? Like, do you really get what you get? And you can't like, you can't feel upset about that. And she's like, no, mommy, you can throw a fit. And so then we always changed it to you get what you get and you can throw a fit. Well, a fit was thrown over the cake last night. And because this is a trigger for both me and my husband, because jealousy is something that like gets our blood boiling. We have our own thoughts, our own feelings about like jealousy, how jealousy was handled growing up. We both got a little into our heads. So I was able to be the more calm, regulated one in that moment. I helped them problem solve. We got into like, okay, so what is it about this piece of cake that is so attractive to each kid? They both had different reasons for why they wanted that piece of cake. 
And as we were problem solving, the problem solving wasn't going that well. Like there were lots of big tears, lots of big feelings, lots of, I don't want to have to give it up. I want to have that one. Lots of big feelings. And that's when the thoughts start flowing when that's happening with our kids. That's when we get triggered and we get zoomed out of our logical, rational brain and into the part of our brain that tells lots of stories to us about what's going on about our kids, about us. Things like these kids are spoiled brats. These kids don't even deserve to have cake. If I had had like this reaction when I was a kid, my parents would have thrown that cake in the trash. Like we just start telling all of our these stories about ourselves and about our kids and about our lives and what it means for a kid to be disappointed with the piece of cake that they got. Like disappointment is a normal human feeling. And even though like our rational brain knows this, we get triggered sometimes. We just do. And I could see the trigger brewing in my husband's face. And because we have talked about what our triggers are, we both knew that this was a situation that comes up as in families, it does. It comes up with kids. Kids get jealous, especially kids who are a little bit older, like are starting to make comparisons and think in ways that, like and be able to look at what one person gets and what they got and make comparisons and they feel jealous sometimes. It's a reality. But we knew that it, this was a trigger and I could see it brewing in my husband's face. Do you ever have that? You guys, do you ever see that in your partner's face where you can tell they're like about to go off the rails? I could totally see it happening with him. And I was the more regulated one in this situation. It's not always the case. Sometimes my husband has to check me and has to pull me back into my values and into our priorities as parents. Absolutely. That totally happens. This just happened to be one time where I wasn't the one who was super triggered. I was the one who was able to be a bit more rational, a bit more connected to our goals and connected to our kids. But anyway, I could see it brewing. And he said to them in a very careful way, he said, this reaction that you girls are having is making me feel like maybe we shouldn't be having cake at all. Okay, so that's a super nice way to make a threat to kids. Okay, like we've all done those things, especially like as we get more skilled in delivering kind of warnings or information so that kids can make good choices. We get more skilled at delivery. Sometimes we make veiled threats to our kids. And this was a veiled threat and it felt very threatening to both of the kids. It felt very much like he was just going to take the cake and throw it in the trash, which is what he wanted to do in that moment. That's what his triggered, unregulated brain wanted to do. He wanted to just pick up the plates and throw it in the trash. And I know this because after the kids were in bed, we processed it and he told me like, that's what I wanted to do. It would have felt so good. I, of course, would never do that, but it would have felt so good to do that. And I could see that trigger on his face because I knew him. I know him so well. And we've talked about it. And so in that moment, when he said that, I said, whoa, 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 Dan, just stop. I got this. And I took over the process and he stayed really quiet. He kind of faded into the background. And it was me who was present with the kids during this jealousy moment. And we did get it worked out. My oldest daughter, who is growing up so much, I was so proud of her. She was able to really like regulate herself and trade cake with her sister. And it was beautiful. It's bringing tears to my eyes because I was so proud of her that she was able to regulate her feelings. And I explained some developmental differences between the two of them that for Evie, you know, who's younger, she is not able to like think about the shape of something and understand that the pieces of cake were really the same size. And so Ellie used her bolder, more powerful brain in order to tap into empathy and made a decision that prioritized her relationship and her connection with her sister over her own wants and needs. And 
we she doesn't always do that. We shouldn't always do that as people. But sometimes when we love people in relationships, we do that. And that's a beautiful thing. She learned a beautiful lesson that she can do that. And her sister also learned a beautiful lesson in compassion. And so it worked out okay. And, you know, just a little like follow up to this incident. After that, I gave the two girls afghans that my grandmother had knitted for me when I was a child. And I let them work out which one. One was blue and white stripes and the other one had a cat on it. And my oldest is a big cat lover. Both girls wanted the cat. And my little one said, here, Ellie, because you let me have the piece of cake I wanted, you can have the cat afghan. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful example of like how those things work in a family but it could have gone so much worse because my husband could have flown off the rail and thrown that cake in the trash like he wanted to he was never gonna do it but he was really dysregulated and he was triggered and so that's what it looks like in the moment when something happened with your parenting with your kids and one of you is triggered or maybe both of you were triggered we both were upset about the jealousy and the fighting and the bickering that was happening over this piece of cake we both had thoughts rolling through our minds these kids are so selfish these kids are so ungrateful they're you know maybe if they feel this way they shouldn't even have any cake we were both having those thoughts Okay, and it's so much easier to do this when one of you isn't triggered at all. But if that's happening and you see your, your partner is triggered and you see them kind of going down the path, that's not the path that you want as a couple, that's not the path that you've chosen for your family and your parenting, you can help them. Okay, so now let's get to the kind of the process of how you get to that point. Because this didn't happen overnight for me and my partner. This has been years in the making of getting to this point where we can intervene compassionately and consciously in our each other's parenting in a way that doesn't feel undermining and doesn't feel shaming or judging, but that feels good and supportive. Okay, so I teach this process in a deep way in my course, Partners in Parenting. So that course is open in beta right now. So I'd love to have you in there, but I want to teach you how to do this. Like I know not everybody can buy the course or has the money to drop into it or the time and space and energy, and that's okay. I want to give you some help. I can't teach you all in one. That would take way too long, but I can at least give you something. So first of all, the first thing you want to be doing is having regular conversations about your core values as parents, your priorities as parents, what you truly believe as parents, what you believe is right in terms of how you want to show up as parents with your kids. Now, if that's respectful parenting, great. We're doing respectful conscious parenting. I'm not here to tell you exactly how to parent and what's right for your family. That's up to you guys. But have the conversation with each other. Have the conversations where you are connecting over shared values, shared priorities, and you're coming home to this idea of we may not always do it the same. We may have different like ideas of, about how those things need to be implemented, but we at least know that we are moving in the same direction as a family, that we are working together, that we are a we, that we are a team, that we are the co-leaders, the co-captains of this shared family space and that we are doing this together. So have those conversations and have them regularly because your priorities and your values and how you implement them change as kids get older. So make sure that you are doing that regularly and also get to know your partner's triggers. Get to know your own triggers, of course, but get to know your partners so that you can see it when it's brewing so that you can get in there sooner if they need help, if they need a break, you know, if they need kind of support so that it doesn't have to feel like judgment and stopping and shutting down so that it feels supportive when you get in there. So it doesn't have to feel undermining. So that it feels like my partner's got my back. The person I'm parenting with wants me to succeed at this. 
Okay, so get to know their triggers, get to know what it looks like, get to know the thoughts that they're thinking. So when you're really clear on the thoughts that you're thinking during a trigger, then you can restructure those thoughts. And if you know what your partner is thinking, what the story that they're telling themselves, the thought path that they're going down, you can help them get back on track. So like in this instance, I didn't say anything to my husband at that time, but I could have gone over to him and whispered to him and said, our kids are not spoiled. They're going to be fine. This is normal. Jealousy is normal. I, I could have said some of those things that counter the thoughts that pull us down a path of reactivity and out of responsiveness. So getting to know your partner's triggers, getting to know their thoughts and like helping them counter them in the moment can be really helpful. And then make a plan together. So my husband and I have agreed that showing up the way that I did in the moment when I saw him triggered and I saw him moving down a path in parenting like that wasn't supportive making that veiled threat, we had a plan for when that would happen. We recognized that that happens in parenting and we were prepared for it. We knew what to do. I knew what to do. I knew how to intervene in his parenting in a way that wouldn't feel undermining to him. And that's different for every person. That's different for every partnership. That's different for every person in a partnership too. So what's undermining to my husband may not feel undermining to your partner or your wife or your husband. What's not undermining what feels supportive to my husband is very different probably to what feels supportive and not undermining to you. And so you have to have the conversation. You have to make the plan and stop leaving this to chance. Okay. So don't wait till the next time you're all triggered and try to figure it out together. Like that's not setting anybody up for success. It's not setting up your kids for success, your partner or yourself. Make a plan for how to handle it. And lots of couples that I work with like having a code word. So ours often that we use is goals. And that just pulls us back into like, okay, we're parenting from goals. We're not parenting from fear. We're not parenting from habit. We're parenting from goals. That's just what we say. Other couples like to have a silly word like cupcake or banana or some other thing that kind of like pulls them out of the moment and brings them back to themselves and to their values into the present moment and out of reactivity and back into responsiveness. So have a code word that pulls you out and agree upon it ahead of time with your partner. And then the next part of that process is checking in after it happens. So you can't just have this stuff happen and never process it and just let it simmer in the background. Cause like, what if you made the plan, you intervened in the way you agreed to, but in the moment it felt undermining to your partner. Your partner probably didn't know it was gonna feel undermining, but maybe they ended up feeling judged or shamed or blamed in that moment. Like you need to know that. You need to come back and reevaluate the plan. Did that work? Like what did it feel undermining when I said that to you? You know, like how was that for you? Is that working? Do we need a new plan? What could we do next time? And like check in on the process too. Like you were triggered. I was triggered. I mean, after the kids were in bed, my husband and I had like a little vent session about like, oh, that was hard. Oh, we don't like jealousy. Oh, it makes us think really bad things about our kids and about, you know, what we should do. Like, yeah, it was really tempting to throw away that cake, just slam it in the trash. That would have felt so satisfying for a moment. And then we recommitted. We would never actually do that. Like so glad we stopped ourselves from doing that. And like that process of checking in brings you closer. It's a turning in process. It's us against the world process. It's a, we can handle anything together. So that checking in afterwards is so important, not just to update your plan, but to also connect 
over like the very real thing like that happened owning up to like man yeah i was triggered and i made a mistake and i'm glad you pulled me back from the ledge or like i'm mad at you for the what you said to the kids i didn't like that can we make a plan so that that doesn't happen in the future you know it, processing it is important so that you again you know what to do next time because there will be a next time respectfully and parenting as partners does get easier with practice. There will be fewer and fewer times when you lose it. There will be fewer and fewer times where you get triggered. There will be fewer and fewer times where you really feel like you couldn't stop yourself and you're going to repair. That will happen. It does get easier. But even after years and years of practice in this process, I still lose it sometimes. I still make mistakes. It still happens. It's setting you up for failure if you think it's never going to happen again. It will. Like, we're human. We make mistakes. We're imperfect beings. Those mistakes don't have to mean anything about us, any, like anything about our parenting. Those mistakes just mean that we're human and they're there and we need to have a plan for when they happen. Having a plan with our partner, having a plan with ourselves, a plan for compassion, a plan for understanding, a plan for repair with our kids and with our partner. And I mean, my husband and I don't always get this right, too. There are times when he's triggered by the kids and I'm triggered by his behavior. Like, because sometimes he totally shows up in parenting in ways that my parents did. And so then, like, there's kids who are having big feelings. And then there's, like, little Laura inside me who's having big feelings. And then I react from little Laura towards him. Like, from a place of, I need to protect all the little people with big feelings here. Because he tends towards dismissiveness, like, in emotion. Like, it's just his tendency. That's how he was raised. But we got to know those things about each other, right? We have to know what our tendencies are. We have to know what our patterns are. That's what I teach you to do in Partners in Parenting, is how to have those conversations. How to get to know your partner and their past and what they believe about kids and themselves and about parenting and their roles in, in raising these beautiful children that we are so blessed to be raising together and how to build a relationship that is resilient and flexible and that can take the reality of life, of partnering together, of being imperfect humans, sharing space. I mean, that's what I teach you in Partners in Parenting. I teach you how to have those conversations, how to do it in a way that brings you closer together, how to not be afraid of having a fight with your partner anymore, how to fight well, fight with a purpose that brings you closer together and makes you feel aligned, even when you show up differently, because my partner and I are different parents. We do things differently and it's okay. We don't have to be perfectly aligned. He does not need to be just like me. But in those moments where I know he is stepping away from his goals as a parent and from our shared goals as a parent, we have a process, a way for me to call him back in, back into responsiveness, back into parenting on the path that we believe in. And we can only do that because we've had the conversations over and over and over again. And those conversations change. Those conversations, you know, our shared goals, our shared visions change. They grow with our kids as our kids enter new developmental stages. They change and grow and morph into new things. We fine tune it. Things that used to work don't work anymore. So now we're doing something else. It's a process. And so like partners in parenting, the course doesn't teach you what the right way is 
like how you should do it. It teaches you how to talk with your partner to decide for yourselves as a team what the right way is for you, for your family. That's a big difference. Like I'm not here to tell you how to do it. I'm not here to tell you these are the limits that you should have. These are the hard no's that you should have. Like those are all up for discussion between you and your partner. I'm not in your family. All I want to do is equip you to have those discussions. I want to fill up your toolbox with flexible tools that build a resilient relationship and a couple friendship that's ever deepening that can not only withstand conflict, but actually grow deeper from it. That's what partners and parenting does for you. So we don't have to do this alone. You can inspire others to like make this commitment to your family and to this process together. You are incredibly powerful. I really believe that if we come together and we are showing up for ourselves and for our families and for our partners and we do this publicly, it will call other people in. And this is how you create a movement. This is how you create community. Even when we're far apart, even if we're in different parts of the world, that's how we start feeling supported and like we're not alone. And I love supporting you. So I hope that this was helpful to kind of pull back the curtain and see what it looks like in practice. So those are the things I wanted to share with you today. Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review. That really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.